Andrews shifts to the other side. Ricard, the motion man, fake the handoff. Jackson throws. Oh, what a grab! Touchdown! Mark Andrews snags it for the score. Some things just never bloody change, do they? Hey, we're rolling, we're rolling! We got all game four! Stay tuned, man. We got something special for y'all today. You're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. To the 10, right to the 5, scooting in for the score. Touchdown! Yes, welcome in everyone. Week number one in the books, almost, if you are obviously a Broncos, Giants, Steelers or Titans fan, you've got a few more hours to wait to get your first action of the season. But for 28 other teams, week one has come and gone. Good news for all of us. Worst case scenario, you're only one game out of the playoffs and thank goodness for that after the performance of some of our teams this weekend, boys. I'm sure we'll touch on that shortly, but... Let's bring in first and foremost the man that supports the team leading the NFC East after week one. And who would have thought we would have been saying that, Lawrence? Welcome in, my friend. I'm in complete shock about that, um, that week one game. But I do want to start the season and start the pod this season with a little bit of culture. And this, this, this goes out to all 16 winners and all 16 losers from week one. Oh, the places you'll go. There's fun to be done. There are points to be scored. There are games to be won. And the magical things you can do with that ball will make you the winningest winner of all. Fame. You'll be famous, as famous can be, with the whole wide world watching you win on TV, except when they don't. Because sometimes they won't. I'm afraid that sometimes you'll play lonely games too. Games you can't win you'll play against you. That is a quote from the 1990 Dr. Zeus book, Oh, The Places You'll Go, which was my daughter's bedtime reading. And I just thought it was very poignant to, to start the season off. Mixed fortunes for many people. Certainly was, mate. Nice quote there. Um, like you say, the best thing we week one, there's always plenty of overreaction, and I'm sure we're going to overreact shortly. So let's bring our two Cowboys fans in. Tim, how are you, mate? Yeah, I, I, I'm not too bad. I think Lawrence has been watching and been inspired by too many uh, opening game montages in the NFL season, to be, to be quite honest with that, with that quote. But yeah, that's all, that's all the same. <laughs> Indeed, mate. And Alex, welcome you in as well, bud. Yeah, thank you for having me. I wish my team performance had been enough to make me go and want to find a poem about it, but uh, sadly not this week. No, certainly not. Oh, there's, there's, po- there's poems about, they just I don't think they'll be um, <laughs> charming enough to get the bleeper out. Yes. <laughs> yeah, certainly is, certainly is, fellas. Right, let's get into it then. Obviously, we've already touched on it, a number of surprises this week. Um, like I said, week one always difficult to get a handle on, particularly this year with no pre-season, obviously. We weren't 100% sure of what we might get, but I'm pretty sure that most people would have probably had the Eagles penned for a win against the Washington football team. But Lawrence, talk us through it, mate. How did your team pull it off? It kind of started like the last decade started. We had Dwayne Haskins, who I am, you know, wasn't a fan of. And then... First, first drive of the season, you, you're full of that optimism and then three and out. Then he gets the ball back again, completes one pass out and, and it's just looking abysmal. And the, 
the Eagles game plan was simply wherever the tight end goes, throw the ball to them and they'll catch it. Zach Ertz and, and Dallas Goddard looked like world beaters in that first half. Absolutely stunning. Um, especially Goddard's touchdown, the second touchdown, when he kind of he just just kind of just ran up the field and you just saw that kind of beautiful arc from Carson Wentz and he beat a linebacker who was had the misfortune of trying to cover him and um Troy Apke, the the Washington safety who I don't think will be starting the entire season on the on the kind of play that he had this week. So seventeen nil, we're down, and then mercifully we get that touchdown right at the end of the first half. Haskins finds free agent tight end Logan um, Thomas, who's completely under everybody's radar, Logan Thomas. I don't think anyone would have drafted him, um, me included. Um, really nice catch, really nice throw. 17-7, there's a bit of hope going into half time. Eagles get the ball back, they're driving. And then who comes up with the biggest player of the game? Was it the person that I mentioned at the tail end of last week's pod? Yes, it was. Washington second-year cornerback, Jimmy Moreland. He had an incredible um, interception, ran it back about 30 yards up the field, and then there goes Peyton Barber, Peyton plodding Barber, with his first touchdown of the game, 17-14. And by this time... Carson Wentz is getting rattled, absolutely rattled. And the, the Washington defensive line ends up the game with eight sacks, which is, you know, the best they've done for a long, long time. Everyone's getting in on the act, um, including absolute, you know, huge rookie sensation, Chase Young. And what I saw with Chase Young is they were rotating him in and out. They weren't wearing him out. And that's, that's what was the key to that success and that key to those eight sacks is rotating that defensive line around. So then that, that comeback gets complete um, with Riverboat Ron, again, deciding to be Riverboat Ron. He hasn't changed his ways. Fourth and one at the five-yard line. Do we kick a field goal to tie it up? Oh, no, 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 no. He's going to go for the fourth down. Peyton Barber just about chugs two yards forward, gets the first down. He gets the touchdown. It's um, 24-17. We get the field goal. And then we could have even scored another touchdown late on, but just decided to try and run the clock out. I would have been a bit more aggressive and really tried to try to get that extra touchdown at the end. But 27-17, a 10-yard, a 10-point win um, at home in, you know, with a coach who had to have a an IV drip at half time to make sure that he was he was doing well. He's obviously he's he's on a um, cancer treatment program. Um, so just fantastic that that he's kind of doing so well. And and I was reading that. Dwayne Haskins has really stepped up now. There was two things. One, which we didn't see as, as fans, he did, a, he did a rousing speech to his players at halftime saying, this is our house. And the other thing was when he started talking sort of in front of the cameras to all of his defence. And I think that was, that was what was the key. It was the offence talking to the defence and that communication. So, yeah, fantastic win, huge upset. And let's just hope it's a sign of good things to come. Tim? 
no, no, I, I say it's in, um, I, I can believe the Ron Rivera, uh, the Ron Rivera thing getting IV drip after. That's just, that's just crazy stuff. That's like the stuff you get in the movie. No, absolutely. It's, it, it's a testament to, um, you know, his leadership. And I think Lawrence has just touched on it there. If you remember back to Dwayne Haskins in his rookie season, um, you know, there was almost a little bit of, um, you know, gamesmanship on the sideline amongst his own teammates, almost sort of chuckling when plays didn't go the right way. And, you know, in the, in the bits that I saw yesterday and sort of rewatched bits today, as, as you say, you know, Dwayne Haskins seems to have took on a bit of a leadership role there really rallying the troops together. There's obviously been an awful lot going on off the field in Washington over the course of this off-season, and maybe it's actually brought the players much closer together in terms of the product on the field. Obviously, a huge upset in week one. I don't think we're all of a sudden going to be pinning uh, Washington for any sort of playoff run or anything stupid like that. But, you know, certainly an encouraging sign um, and always great to get a new era off to a flying start. Um, Tim, I'm going to come to you for the next upset, mate. I know you might want to come back in just on the uh, the Washington side of things. And when you've had your point on that, mate, let's talk about the 49ers. Super Bowl hangover, possibly. Not sure it's too much of an upset. Lots of hype around Arizona, obviously. Um, but the Cardinals getting a big win to open up the season. Yeah, I, I just uh, to go back to Lawrence's opening poem, I thought it was quite poetic that uh, week one of 2019 saw the Philadelphia Eagles overcome a 17-point deficit uh, to beat the Washington Redskins at, obviously at that time to then re- roll reversal in week one of 2020. Obviously, the uh, Philadelphia Eagles went 17-zip up to then go, you know, Washington go 27-27 unanswered. So, yeah, just continuing the poem theme there throughout the podcast. Um, yeah, talking of the, the 49ers Cardinals, uh, obviously this game had a bit of news around, you know, poor air quality uh, it wasn't just poor air, air quality in terms of Santa Clara itself but also the uh, the San Francisco 49ers passing attack um, yeah it wasn't wasn't really much of a, an, an upset in in my books uh, the bookies certainly felt it was it was enough of one but obviously giving them six and a half points uh, underdog tag um, but you know these two teams played close games or you know, Arizona run them close last year uh, 36 to 26 and 25 to, tw- to 28 score lines going the way of San Francisco but you could see from from last year, uh, and certainly was prevalent again to, in in the game yesterday, that San Francisco struggle uh, against mobile quarterbacks. You know, two of their three uh, losses last year uh, came against mobile quarterbacks, uh, and again magnified by a, a brilliant uh, Kyler Murray twenty-two yard rushing touchdown. Um, and in terms of San Francisco, yeah, very much um, a Super Bowl hangover a little bit. They had absolutely no passing game. Uh, I think only of the ten of of Jimmy Garoppolo's thirty-three. Attempts went to a, were targeting a wide receiver. Uh, obviously, no Ayuk, no uh, Debo Samuel there either. So it's either going to running backs or or George Kittle. Um, but yeah, Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo not not a great game at all. Um, yeah, one there's one play where he got sacked by Chandler Jones, um, which I think uh, Alex mentioned as, uh, last on last week's pod as well as uh, the sack leader. Um, but yeah, you watch Jimmy Garoppolo on that play. It looks like um, someone's got controlling him on Madden, and he's pressing the, the like the spin move because he spins three times and does a little. Like, it's almost as if he's pirouetting, but uh, yeah, ended up obviously getting mauled by by Chandler Jones. But so uh, yeah, a couple of four, uh, poorly thrown balls in the fourth quarter as well, under throwing um, a couple of couple of guys, and um, yeah, not. 
not a great you know not a great fourth quarter from him where have we seen that before uh, oh yeah in their last game in the Super Bowl um, but on a, on a side note I'm not going to completely bash the 49ers but it was nice to see Jared McKinnon finally get on the field uh, 987 days after his last bit of action catching a, a touchdown pass as well but uh, yeah thoroughly impressed by by the Cardinals uh, Isaiah Simmons had a bit of a tough go of it on, on defence uh, I know he got pulled a little bit and um, he got done for the Raheem Mustard touchdown um, but yeah it was, it was a really enjoyable game came alive in the fourth quarter as well and was bubbling for the whole for the whole thing I really enjoyed uh, really enjoyed watching it yeah no it was a good watch man. absolutely I think just in terms of Kyle Murray, just a, a really good um, sort of sign of things to come possibly from him and that offence I think you know he rushed 13 times and I think on 12 of those rushes he either slid or ran out of bounds um, you know if you're going to have a mobile QB the danger is always about them suffering a bit of a crippling blow and obviously you know the guys that learn how to get down and not take those hits it's obviously going to add to their longevity um, so really excellent signs um, for the Cardinals and obviously the Niners desperately need to get back in the win column pretty quickly um, you know we often have Super Bowl hangovers you know and for their sake let's hope that they uh, can pretty quickly get back in the win column uh, final upset that we'll talk about, boys, just in this little section of the pod. So, Alex, will throw it over to you, my friend. And it was obviously the Phil Rivers debut for the Colts. They certainly put up plenty of yardage, but they couldn't curtail Minshew Mania. Take it away, buddy. No, exactly. It was a really good performance, to be honest, from, from the Jags. More kind of just a balanced, sensible, um, responsible performance um, from everyone involved, especially on the Jags offense. I mean, Minshew went 19 for 20, three touchdowns, passer rating of 143, uh, but only 173 yards. So it's that same thing. They will be able to maybe grind out a couple of these wins if he just keeps it safe uh, and doesn't do too, too much with the ball. I think they, they can get a couple more this season in the same way that this has been a surprise. Um, defensively, they were really good as well, actually, at times. They got stops, especially in the second half. Um, their rookie cornerback, CJ Henderson, was, was really good. Three pass defended, one deception yesterday. And they still got good bits and pieces there. Um, Josh Allen looks good still. Miles Jack uh, looked good. So they'll be able to get wins if they do exactly what they did this weekend again. Um, for the Colts, Jonathan Taylor looked good. So that they'll take something from that. Um, Philip Rivers is very much an old dog trying to be taught new tricks. If you're trying to get him to not turn the ball over. Um, bunch of yards, but then two costly interceptions, which they must have known when they bought Phil Rivers in. I mean, that's kind of what he's done his whole career. So that can't be too much of a surprise to them. Um, but yeah, in, in general, Jags just really, really quite impressive and just did exactly what they needed to do. And, and as a result, ended up coming out with a big win. Just before I do finish, though, we'd we'll just like to mention that uh, only one staff member in our staff pick and pick both the Cardinals and Washington, or indeed either of them, and both me. So I'd just like to throw that in there just before I finish, because uh, that was two pretty good calls, I thought. Absolutely, mate. Have you got the lottery numbers for this week while you're at it as well? <laughs> Oh, fair, fair play indeed, mate. No, two, um, two certainly big upsets in terms of, of the bookies and all the rest of it. And like you say, the Colts certainly put up yardage on the Jags and they gained them by over 200 yards of offence. But it's obviously the scoreboard that's all important at the end of it. What was your biggest week one upset? Let us know over at full 10 yards on the Twitter. Uh, let's go through a few games quickly then, fellas. We're not going to go through all of these in depth because otherwise we will be here until uh, week two gets underway. So let's whiz through these. It seems a long time ago now, but obviously we started off last Thursday. Chiefs and Texans, Patrick Mahomes essentially picking up where he left off, didn't he? Let's be honest, pointing up plenty of points. 
and a relatively impressive debut from Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I say relatively impressive. I think he's probably been overhyped a little bit at times. He struggled, um, certainly in short yardage situations, um, yeah, but certainly plenty of promise from a debut perspective. Um, and the Texans will obviously be buoyed, I would suggest, by the performance of David Johnson, who looked pretty good. Um, so we'll see if they can get back up and running with a sort of more favourable opponent on the horizon. Bills and Jets. Um, at one point, we thought that Adam Gase potentially might get fired at half-time as the Bills seemed to be running away with it. Uh, it came a little bit closer in the end, but ultimately the Bills got the job done. Josh Allen may well score you plenty of fancy points, but he still has an awful lot of work to do with his mechanics. Missed some wide open tides. I saw one throw that he made to, I think it was John Brown. I don't think there was anybody within about 15 yards of him, but unfortunately the ball went about 15 yards over his head as well. So certainly some issues for Josh Allen from a mechanical point of view. A man that doesn't have so many issues, of course, Aaron Rodgers, Vikings and Packers, May well be that they want to run, run, run and run some more in Green Bay, but that doesn't suit Aaron Rodgers and he was quite happy airing it out yesterday. Devontae Adams had himself a huge game as the Packers beat the Vikings in a bit of a shootout, plenty of points on the board in this one. And the biggest blowout of the week, of course, was my Cleveland Browns getting absolutely battered by the Ravens. Probably as predicted, uh, hoped it wouldn't be as bad as it was, but it was absolutely shocking, let's be honest. Uh, Lamar Jackson had himself quite the day. Uh, to be fair, I think I could have played quarterback and had quite the day against our linebackers and secondary. But credit where it's due, we finished the day with a perfect passer rating as the Ravens absolutely trounced the Browns there. Opening day record since 2004, boys. 15 losses. Absolutely fantastic. So I don't know why I was expecting anything else. Right, fellas. Go, go a bit, bit further, bit further than that. Do you know you've gone? Do you know how many head coaches and quarterbacks you've gone through in that time? Uh, several. Let's just put it that. that's <laughs> Well, yeah, that's technically correct. But uh, you've gone through eight head coaches and fourteen quarterbacks in Browns openings. So, yeah, tradition. I'm a. I like tradition. I'm a very traditional man. Yeah, uh, there's certainly some traditions, mate. And let's put it this way: the way that it's going, I'm pretty sure that next season we'll end up with another starting quarterback. Well, that's a that's a discussion point for another time. Let's move on, boys, to some guys that made the debuts this weekend. Um, and Lawrence, you've already touched on one of the guys, but new for this year, I want to rate these guys out of a full ten. Let's keep it on brand, fellas. So, out of ten, you mentioned him, mate, Chase Young, full ten. What was his score and why? Uh- I'll give him a, a very, very solid eight. Very solid eight. This is the guy who was drafted second overall, predicted to be the saviour of the Washington team. We've we've done a lot of hard work building up that defensive line, but we needed that pass rusher. We've we've bought the the defensive lineman, and we've we've got the veteran Brian Kerrigan, who's sitting there, who actually broke the Washington all-time sack record held by Dexter Manley. So 92 sacks for Ryan Kerrigan over his career. Huge credit to him. Just just got to throw that in there whilst we're talking about Chase Young. But Chase Young signed a four-year deal, 34 million. He's on a he's on a very minuscule base salary this year of six hundred and ten thousand dollars. And what did he manage to do week one? Well, I think he had a very impressive performance. Four tackles, one and a half sacks, one and a half tackles for loss, and um, one forced fumble, um, as well as two quarterback hits. So a, a pretty decent performance. And, and as I was saying, I, I think the, what they're doing is they're keeping him fresh. 
And, and the one thing that really stuck out for me in terms of Chase's, Chase Young's performance yesterday was he looked like he'd been playing in the NFL for a number of years. He did not look like a rookie. He is built like a, you know, one of those rude words. But he, 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 he was just smiling. Every time they cut back to him and the camera was there, he was just grinning as if to say, I can't wait to be sacking more and more quarterbacks all season long. And by keeping him in that rotation and keeping him fresh, you know, if you're an NFC East quarterback, look forward to seeing those dreadlocks. Look forward to seeing the Predator because he is going to be here to stay. So, yeah, solid eight for Chase Young. Yeah, absolutely, man. Cracking debut. We, we talked in the off-season, didn't we, about could he have the same type of impact as what Nick Bosa had on the 49ers defence last year? Similar situation. Was already stacked with talent across the line. And, and Nick Bosa was that final piece of the jigsaw. Obviously, Washington have been building it up over the last few years. We've obviously invested some first-round draft capital in that line. And hopefully, Chase Young will be a cornerstone of that defence for many a year to come. Tim, let's move on to you, mate. And, of course, let's talk Smoking Joe. He was obviously brought in um, after plenty of years of mediocrity from Andy Dalton. He was hoping to be the, the guy that gave the Bengals a bit of a spark. Obviously, in the game itself, the Chargers just about snuck on, over the line for a win. But how did Joe do on game number one? Yeah, I, I think um, to, to go with your, your, your ten out, your full ten, I'd probably give him a seven, maybe seven and a half. I think it's probably more more apt to, to do a bit of a, a sort of school report for him because he's just come out of college. But I'd probably go B, B, B plus with with obviously room for improvement. You know. It was a very tough assignment first at first game out of the gate. Uh, yes, he was at home and there was no fans. And he said he, yeah, he said that he, he likes feeding off the fans or, um, and takes the energy from the fans. Obviously, didn't have that to draw upon. Um, the thing, the thing is with me when I look at a quarterback, what's what sets quarterbacks the good ones that stay around. Uh, when, when they come from college is when they make their throws you look at their demeanor when they make the throw and you look at how they make their throw and step into it and you can tell when they're throwing you know if you look at especially you know Cleveland quarterbacks you, you look at quarterbacks who make throws and you you look at how their trust in their own abilities and Joe Burrow certainly has that which is which is a good sign obviously that's what you want from a number one, number one overall pick um you know you, there's no hope in his throws it's all expectation it's an expectation mentality which obviously stands you in good stead in, in a good stead because it gives you the confidence in your ability and you know that you you can do it it's obviously just getting acclimatized to the league but like I say, yeah, you know, tough assignment first up against, against the Chargers and even without with Owen James. But, um, you know, he showed good poise. He made some really good throws, special got a couple to, to Mike Thomas on, on the, the, one of the last drives. Um, did obviously make a couple of mistakes and being a rookie, you kind of want him to make a mistake. You don't want him to, dare I say, come in like Baker Mayfield and, and set the world on fire and not make any uh, mistakes. But, yeah, that, that shovel pass interception to, to Melvin Ingram was, was awful. Um, but hopefully, you know, making those mistakes, he's someone that can, can learn and, and stop. And, and not repeat those um, judging by his reaction from it as well obviously jumped off the field and uh, yeah, tried to the sideline he, he knew that it was, a, it was he was trying to do too much so I think that will that will be quickly quashed from his, his uh, repertoire and in his skill set but um, yeah like yeah it, it, it was it was fitting that he got a chance to drive the ball down the field and on the last drive for the Bengals um, Starting at their own 18, three minutes, just over three minutes left, no timeouts. Uh, managed to get down to the Chargers 13. And like I say, some lovely throws to, to Mike Thomas and some small windows. Um, 
normally in, in, in normal circumstances they'd be going out into overtime but I suppose we have we have the uh, the Joe Barrow drive to thank Kevin Harland for that it's uh, what was quite possibly one of the greatest lines you know me Tim I love myself a bit of Kevin Harland strange to actually see him with a different uh, booth partner this year a bit of a change around in some of the commentary teams but uh, yeah Kevin Harland still knocking it out the park as he usually does I thought Joe Burrow's touchdown was really good. Again, that showed a lot of poise. You know, the fact that he waited for his block to be set up, it would have been very easy for him to have got all excited there and, and tried to make the, the move towards the end zone, but waited to set up his blocks um, and obviously took it in. Uh, they actually mentioned that on Coventry, going back to Kevin Harlan, the fact that he actually was quite effective on the ground at LSU, but obviously he put up such uh, monster passing numbers and touchdowns that that kind of gets forgotten. But in this era of quarterbacks that obviously are dual threat, um, you know, since he potentially have found a good one in Joe Burrow. Um, so Chase Young gets an eight, Joe Burrow gets a seven and a half for the top two draft picks. Alex, I'm going to come to you and we're not going to talk draft picks. We're going to talk about guys in new places. And of course, we weren't going to go through this whole podcast without talking about the two games that featured Cam Newton and Tom Brady. Uh, Cam Newton and the Patriots, very different looking New England Patriots, of course, but Cam Newton and the Pats get the job done over Miami, whereas Tom Brady goes down on that tough assignment to Drew Brees and the Saints. But how do you think they both fared, mate, in their first games in new environments? Uh, Well, despite differentiating results by the end of the game, I'm actually going to give them quite similar ratings, I think. Uh, Cam Newton, I'm going for an 8 out of 10. Tom Brady, I'm actually going for a 7. And I'll explain a little bit more about that in a bit. But Cam Newton, maybe that's heart overhead. I know the win wasn't exactly customary. It was only 150 yards through the air. Two rushing touchdowns and 75 rush yards off 15 carries is not bad at all, especially for all the things people have been saying about him over the last two years and whether he'd actually come back and be, be the same player that he was in 2015. It looked a lot more like it last night than it has done for the last couple of years. Um, he was just... It, so exciting to watch again. You never know what you're gonna, what he's going to do. And then now he's partnered with Bill Belichick. That's a whole new element to bring in. And I just think the Dolphins kind of felt the same way, to be honest. It looked at times like they weren't, weren't sure what to do with him. They think they'd have him. And then he just, they just go simple power run with, with the quarterback. And it's just, it's just easy to pick up a few yards like that. Um, so I think Cam Newton, 8 out of 10 is fair. They got the job done. They've changed the offense to match him, which is really nice. Then Tom Brady, I've gone for a seven. Maybe that's a bit high at the end of the day he lost. Um, but to be honest, if you take out those two interceptions, which I admit is quite a big thing to just remove from the scenario, um, he then only through one incompletion apart from those two interceptions. So he, he really didn't have a, a poor game per se. He looks like he's building a good relationship with Scotty Miller, a uh, very similar player to some of the other guys he had up in New England, Scott Hogan, Jordan Edelman, that sort of thing, very quick at the slot can make those difficult third, third down catches. Um, didn't make enough use of Mike Evans um, really at all. So hopefully that's something they can develop. But I don't think Tom Brady overall played a particularly poor game. So I think I'm going to have to go for seven as well for him. No, fair dues, mate. You're the, you're the, uh, the teacher, so to speak. So I'm not going to question your marking. Um, I, I thought that uh, it was... It was really interesting seeing Cam Newton in a Patriots jersey. I think, you know, obviously such a huge part of his game is that running ability. And it's just such a difference, isn't it, to what New England have done over the last number of years with Brady being back there. Uh, but as you say, fair play to, to McDaniels and Belichick for changing that offence to suit him. I'm still not sure how that second touchdown was actually given as a touchdown. I'm pretty sure it was short and it seemed very strange 
call on the field on the day. Um, but anyway, it stood and he would have probably punched it in from half a yard away anyway, wouldn't he? Let's be honest. And so it probably didn't make a great deal of difference. As for Brady, um, you know, it's it's still obviously very, very peculiar seeing him in a different jersey. Um, but I think you alluded to there, Mike, Mike Evans, you know, he, he was questionable ahead of the game. Um, so I don't know how limited he, he potentially was. He was only held to one catch, I think, for four yards. So as you say, certainly didn't really appear much in the game plan. Um, but I think the books will come good. You know, Brady's put um, you know too much work into his career uh, for this to be a bit of a flop. Um, so I think it will come good in the end. It's obviously going to take a bit of time to gel. Tim? Yeah, and I just had said about the... Um... Mark Evans not really in the game plan. He had quite. He had a couple, at least two. I remember uh, explicitly that he had massive uh, pass interference calls, um, which we obviously would have. I probably would have taken him near 100, 100 yards because I think one was like a forty yarder, forty five yarder to, to Mark Evans. He had a couple of uh, big plays. That obviously, don't hit the statue. Now, fair play, mate. Fair play. Like you say, it isn't always about the the numbers on the sheet. So uh, yeah, let's give him some credit if he uh, has been involved in that. And like you say, potentially some big gains wiped off. Let's go through another couple of games then, fellas. Panthers-Raiders, sneakily one of the best games in, well, I was going to say in the early window, you could argue it was one of the best games of the weekend. Backwards and forwards affair, um, but Vegas just about hold on in that one. Um, Lions and Bears, the Lions, how on earth did they throw that game away? The Bears with the fourth quarter comeback. And the Lions basically had the game won, five seconds left, beautiful ball from Matthew Stafford, hits DeAndre Swift in the corner of the end zone, right in the numbers, and he fluffed it. Um, so, yeah, another loss there for the Lions. Falcon Seahawks was a bit of a shootout. I predicted it may well have been. I said Russell Wilson will be gunning for some MVP votes this year, and he put up a fabulous performance. Falcons and Seahawks put up a, a bit of a ding-dong score first, but it's the Seahawks who came out on top. And obviously, we've just mentioned the um, the Pats and the Dolphins games briefly there um, in terms of the involvement of Newton and Brady. So, um, the Pats getting the job um, done against Miami. Right, boys, third down for us. Let's have a look at some stats in Stats Life, as we like to do. Let's go through some weird and wonderful happenings from the statistical world of the NFL. And... Wow me with some amazement, fellas. I'm going to pick the winning stats each week. I've given you the opportunity to have a couple apiece. So, Lawrence, kick us off, mate. Let's start with you. I'm going to give you a big number to start off the season, start as I mean to go along. 42,336 is my stat of the week. Is that how many times you've asked Judy Donaldson for an interview? Almost. I'm almost there. It's a cowboy stat for you, Tim. I'm, I'm glad you interjected there. You can, are you going to hazard a guess at what cowboy stat that is? Is that how many hairs I pulled out watching the game on Sunday Night Football? Almost, almost. It's how many hours between Alden Smith's last sack in the NFL from his sack last night. So yeah, it he was looked good. What, he looked good. 1,764 days since Alden Smith last had a sack. And that was against Teddy Bridgewater um, back in November 2015. So it's for over 42,000 hours that um, Alden Smith has patiently waited to get back on the field. And I totally agree with you, Tim. He had a monster game. 11 tackles. He was on the field for 74% of the Cowboys' defensive plays. And he had that sack. 
And I think there are big things to come from Alden Smith for this season. So there you go. That's my first stat. Impressive, mate. If you were just going for a big number, though, I'm surprised you just didn't give me minutes, to be honest. That would have been even more impressive, but never mind. Maybe that's what you've got lined up for your next one. We'll come back to you in a minute. Tim, hit me with one, mate. Okay, I'll go with my my, my second favourite one. Uh, Jay Alexander was, is the first player in four years to record a sack, a safety, and an interception. Uh, in, in the and is only the fifth time in the last twenty years it's happened. Yeah, is he, is he possibly the only defensive back to do it? Because surely that's going to be quite impossible for a defensive back, like you say. I mean, when you think of a, a safety and. And the sack, you're normally thinking about guys that are playing on the line. So, I mean, is that stat even more impressive? Is he the only uh, backfield guy to do it, do you know? I can't remember. the. the I did have the list. The, the last person to do it was Claire's Campbell, uh, a couple of years, obviously four years ago, uh, for the Jags. So, um, I, don't, I don't remember seeing any backs on there, but I, I can quickly look it up as you go around the table. Well, if you want some bonus points, mate, it might be worth looking up. You could have, you could have even outstatted yourself there. Alex, while Tim's trying to Google that for us, mate, Hit me with your first one. Okay, so I'm going to try and cheer Bears fans up a bit because although they got that win, they still won't be that excited about what they saw last night. What I will give them is that all three of Mitch Trubisky's three touchdown throws in the fourth quarter against the Lions were completed in, in a tight window of one yard or less separation per next-gen stat. Uh, that's never, ever been done since they started recording statistics. Uh, they've never had three touchdowns like that in one quarter. So he has some sort of record, poor Mitch Trubisky. It's not great, um, and you know he looked pretty terrible for three quarters there. But he can he can take that with him. I'll, I'll let him have that one. No, absolutely. Man. That, that's a, that's a belter of a stat, to be fair. And just on Trubisky, I've got to be honest. I thought when I you know I wasn't watching too much of of the game live. I was I was forcing myself to obviously watch another game that was on in the same window. Um, but when I did uh, switch it over, and obviously I, I saw what the score was, and, and the fact that as you just alluded to there, Trubisky was pretty ordinary through three quarters. I, I was convinced that he was going to be on the shortest of shortest of leashes and I was almost convinced that Nick Foles will be coming in in the fourth quarter but potentially, not only has he won the game for the Bears then he could have potentially prolonged his Bears career for a few more games yet. Uh, he certainly kept the walls from the door for a, a few uh, games at least potentially. Lawrence, let's come back to you mate, round number two. Well, it's a much smaller number I'm afraid for round two. And that number is 62. And it might seem a bit minuscule and might seem a little bit average, but 62 yards rushing by James Robinson, the undrafted rookie free agent for the Jacksonville Jaguars, is actually the greatest single week one performance by an undrafted free agent running back in NFL history, would you believe? And just, 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 just to kind of put a little bit of retro in there, because you know I love to sprinkle a little bit of retro love um, onto the pod. He beat the, um, you know, the absolutely well-known name of Ralph Nelson, the Washington running back who was in, in a similar situation as undrafted, who ran for 44 yards back in 1975 against the Saints. And James Robinson, just, just, just to add it, to see if I, can, if I can top the charts this week, Robinson's debut as a, an undrafted rookie free agent running back is the first one to do that in 30 years. The last time that one of those players did it was back in 1990 
And that was two teams, Tampa Bay's Bruce Perkins and Seattle's Derek Laville um, made their debuts as undrafted free agents week one. So there you go. Mic drop. Impressive, impressive stuff, mate. Impressive stuff indeed. Tim, let's come back to you, mate. Did you find out if Jar Alexander is the first DB to do such a feat? Uh, that's still a work in progress. I can't actually remember where I got the stat from. There we go. Uh, <laughs> Uh, where, I, where I thought it was, it's no longer there. Um, so yeah, I'm going to have to continue to look for that. Um, my second one is uh, Tom Brady is 14-4 and four, uh, in week one of his career with obviously one of the four losses coming uh, yesterday. The previous three times he has lost on opening weekend, he's gone to the Super Bowl on each occasion. Oh, see, I told you that the books would come good. Maybe fate is going to play a part in it. Go on, Lawrence, you want to say something on that? I was just going to say, because when, when Tim and I were just comparing kind of notes beforehand, um, he, had a, he had a Brady stat. So I've actually got a slightly different one just, just on Brady. And it's just a fun one. He is actually the oldest player in NFL history to score a touchdown. Can you believe that? 43 years and 41 days old and also to add one onto that game it's the first time two quarterbacks over uh, two over the age of 40 have faced each other in an NFL game all right boys you're not going to get any bonus points going backwards and forwards against each other <laughs> I can see the competitiveness in your faces it's marvelous stuff Alex come on mate let's get you in on the action these boys have had enough air time let's get your second one mate I'm going to keep it simple and stay away from Brady so that's two for one um but uh I like making Texans fans feel bad because I don't think they've had enough of that already. Um, so I'm going with DeAndre Hopkins had more catches, 14 against the 49ers, than all of the Texans wide receivers combined managed in their loss to the Chiefs at 13. That's a great stat, mate. It's also actually, I think it was right, I'm right in saying, wasn't it Hopkins' best ever individual game as well by his own right in terms of... I believe it I believe it was 151 yards, a total of 163 for all of the Texans. And 112 of that was Will Fuller. And we know how long he lasts into most seasons. So it should get even worse at some point for them. <laughs> yeah, you've certainly beat them up enough there, mate. Um, yeah, no, great player, DeAndre Hopkins. We talked about it, obviously, at the time. You know, it obviously still to this day, you know, I mentioned David Johnson looked pretty decent on Thursday night, but I'm, I'm sure that... Uh, Texans fans would much rather have DeAndre Hopkins back in a heartbeat and he obviously got a good debut uh, for the Cardinals. Uh, Tim, I can put you out your misery, my friend. Joey Alexander is actually the second defensive back in NFL history to do it. I've just found said stat. I thought it might be where you may have tried to find it, but look, there was a guy called David Fulcher who did it back in 1990 for the Cincinnati Bengals. So, yeah, second guy. So, with that being said, that obviously loses a bit of shine from your stat there, mate. Not, not too much shine. It was still a good one. I'll give you credit. Give you credit. Well, I've got to say, I think the winner this week in terms of the stats life from you, boys, I'm going with James Robinson, 62 yards, to be an undrafted free agent. And not just to be like a week one stat, but to actually achieve something that's never been done in NFL history or to you know, break a record from NFL history. Uh, Lawrence, I'm giving you the points this week, my friend. 62 yards for James Robinson is going to get the job done. Thank you very much. And thank you, Mr. Robinson, who, if you were following me on Twitter on Sunday morning, I actually recommended to people to pick him up. Yeah, I actually drafted him in a league. It was, it was like the back end of the league. I think with something like 20-odd selection. He might even be a full 10 yards dynasty league. And it was like, 
you know, that, that kind of late round flyer, who can I stash away for the season? And obviously I was under no uh, impression that the Jags were going to trade away everybody. All the other backs on the roster would get injured. And lo and behold, I could have found myself a little gem there in James Robinson, couldn't I? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, 100, 100% of the um, Jaguars' backfield carries. Thank you. So, the things to come on, actually, maybe put him into my lineup instead of on my taxi squad or whatever stupid things these dynasty things are all about. I'll figure it out. One day, <laughs> I'll, I'll have to listen to the boys on the, uh, the fantasy pod and they can give me some advice. Right, got a few more games to whiz through, fellas. Um, mentioned a couple of these in passing already, um, but just to obviously bring everybody up to speed if you've been on another planet. I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you know the scores anyway, but we'll just go through them just. Just to keep scores, Bengals Chargers, um, as we alluded to, Joe Burrow's debut goes down as a defeat. Um, Randy Bullock missing a game-tying field goal at the end, so the Chargers hang on. Saints-Bucks, as we say, the first game for Brady in a Bucks uniform, but it was always going to be a tough assignment. The Saints, Saints do still look good. They're obviously all in on a Super Bowl run this year. Surely this is Breeze last year, you would think. He's obviously been rumoured to be... Thinking about it for the last few seasons, and they're certainly all in on it for this campaign, you would suggest. And then obviously Rams and Cowboys, we haven't really talked about it much since the start of the pod, fellas. Obviously two Cowboys fans on the panel tonight. Lawrence has got a big grin on his face as we talk about this game. Um, I actually think the Rams, all joking aside, are a team that a few people have slept on. Um, you know, They're probably not the powerhouse that they were a couple of years ago, but still... Got some absolute superstars on that defence, haven't they? Aaron Donald was his usual wrecking ball self. Jalen Ramsey, a happy man with his new contract and had himself a nice game, obviously. Um, two offences that, that struggled to get going for the most part. You know, they were moving the ball, but certainly not many points going on the board. I know, Tim, that you'll probably be questioning the field goal or the lack of field goal um, on fourth down that could have tied the game up. Uh, we obviously know what we can replace Jason Garrett corner with. Mike McCarthy can just take the name, can't he? Well, I, I, I do wonder if uh, the ghost of Jason Garrett haunted Mike McCarthy for that game. <laughs> it could well have done, mate. But um, I know I know you watched it. Uh, any sort of takeaways from that game? Um, obviously, a disappointing start to the campaign. But uh, you know, any any sort of concern for the Cowboys early doors? Mm, not not really. I mean, the year the year is different. It's, it's eerily it's eerie that the year is different, but the uh, everything's still the same, isn't it? Really, and that another. Uh, similar defeat for for the Cowboys that we we're kind of used to seeing. Um, yeah, didn't like didn't like the the decision to go for it on third and six. Uh, in some ways, it five minutes to go in tight in the fourth quarter to tie the game, kick kick the points, and the Rams weren't hurting us at that point, and we could have, uh, like I say, had another drive to to go down for for another field goal to to win the game. But um, that being said, the pass interference call at the end, absolute nonsense from Jalen Ramsey. Uh, sold it, sold it, yeah, like a. I don't know what he'd sold it like, but he sold it well. Uh, he sold out of the, he sold out of it. I put it that way. Um, but yeah, yeah it, was, it was frustrating that we we lost a lot more than just the game. Uh, obviously, hashtag always Jarwin's down for the season. Um, so yeah, poor one out for the boys over on the fantasy football podcast, and probably seventy five percent of my dynasty teams. Um, Leighton Van Der Esch is going to be out on IR for a little bit as well with a fractured collarbone, uh, and then Cameron Irving as well, uh, offensive line uh, uh, lineman who who's gone but so we were we were always under the gun um especially when you've got someone like Aaron Donald on the other side absolutely piercing holes and being an absolute an actual wrecking ball um just bowling people over um yes it was disappointing I think there's there's still a few depositives to, to, to take that I think we'll, I think we'll be okay CDM good look good uh, and I think it's just a few wrinkles to, to iron out and I think I think come towards the end of the season we'll be we'll be okay 
Yeah, like I said earlier, you know, I don't think any of us are predicting that Washington are going to run away with the East by any stretch of the imagination. It is only obviously one game in. Uh, I'm sure that the Cowboys will get it turned around. Uh, before we move on, fellas, to the last segment of the pod, just a couple of stats from me, just as we, we love giving out these stats. So here's a couple of belters. Uh, since the merger, 2,760 teams have led a game by 17-plus points entering the fourth quarter. The Lions become the 29th team to go on and lose the game. At one stage yesterday, the win percentage chances for the Chicago Bears was at 2% entering that fourth quarter. So, yeah, what a collapse from um, from the Lions. And the final one, we've talked about these quarterbacks now, the new era of quarterbacks that are dual threat. There were five quarterbacks this week that led their teams in rushing those teams went 5-0. and And, of course, you had Kyler Murray, who we talked about, Cam Newton, who we've talked about, Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, and, of course, Lamar Jackson. All of those teams in the wing column and all of their QBs leading the team in rushing yardage. So, it's certainly uh, the way to go. Go on, Lawrence. And, and just to put the, the icing on the Lamar cake, he was 10 out of 10 on play-action passes on Sunday for 128 yards and considering he was about 65% on play action all of last season, you know, he threw some beauties to um, Marquise Brown. He threw some absolute dimes to Brown. That, that 47 yard pass was my, my second favorite play of Sunday. My favorite play was the, and, and do, do get a chance to look this up, which was James Robinson's hurdling over some, some Colts players he did a he did a kind of Roger Craig in the air. It was incredible, and even he, when he was asked at the end of the game, he even he said he, he doesn't think he's jumped like that before in his life. So, you know, strange things happen, but that was you know an incredible play. But yeah, Marquise Brown, monster game, monster game. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, like I said earlier, I wouldn't read too much into it. Looking how bad the Browns' secondary and middle of the defense is, but yeah, credit where it's due. Lamar had a, had a good game. And like I say, if there are any doubts on him, it is about his accuracy at times. Um, and like I say, he was, he was spot on yesterday. So certainly no uh, complaints from me on that one. Uh, let's let's continue that thing then, fellas, just to wrap things up, if you like. And let's have a look at what we thought were winners and losers from week one. Um, so, Tim, give us a week one winner and a week one loser. Um, so I thought, uh, Garda Minshew, I thought was week one winner. Um, I, I cut. I'm getting old, obviously, um, but I, I couldn't quite remember the the stat that you gave. I think it was with regards to the Jags, but I also there's a, the bon- another bonus stat for you is uh, Gardner Minshew becomes just the fourth quarterback all time to post a 95% completion um, percentage and three touchdown passes in a single game, joining Drew Brees, Philip Rivers, and Marcus Mariota. But I thought, considering uh, obviously the talk around the, the Jags and tanking for Trevor and all this like this kind of stuff. Um, I did I did find that his his gameplay obviously didn't affect him on the field and to command his team to a divisional win. Um, you know, because let's face it, I think he's on a, he's on a bit of a short leash considering what's in uh, in the view ahead. Um, I thought he played really well and you know duck it was water off the ducks back. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Like we said earlier, you know, we joked about it in terms of Minshew, man, you've been alive and well. You know, at the end of the day, whether winning is a quarterback stats or not, I know people have different opinions on that, but you know, you certainly can't argue when the guy gets the job done. And, and like I say, as much as the Colts put up plenty of yards, you know, Minshew found a way to get the job done. 
Lawrence, give us a winner or loser in your opinion from week one. Well, they're both from the same backfield, and that is the Indianapolis Colts backfield. The the big loser of the week and for the season is is Marlon Mack, who is lost for the entire season by um, with injury, which is a, a real shame because he's he's one of those unsung guys that does a lot of the hard work, doesn't get a lot of the credit. So good luck in his recovery, Mr. Mack. And that makes the winner, rookie running back, second round pick, Jonathan Taylor. Now, Taylor didn't have the most auspicious start to the season on the ground. Only 22 yards on nine carries. Didn't look particularly impressive. Um, but he did have six catches, 67 yards. He had a nice 35-yard completion. And he, he looks like he's, he's just got to get into the pace of the game. I think as a rookie, he would have benefited from some preseason action. And I think your first game in the NFL, and I think we, we can't really kind of forget that for a lot of rookies. Yes, Chase Young looked like he'd been there before, but not all rookies kind of uh, are going to be that kind of smooth in that transition. So I think Jonathan Taylor is going to build himself up. He's going to get a lot better. He's a huge winner. He's got a huge opportunity now with Naeem Hines as the sort of pass catching back. We know Philip Rivers likes to dink and dunk, um, if he's not throwing interceptions, that is. So good good luck to Jonathan Taylor and um, best of luck with the recovery for Marlon Mack. Yeah, here, here. Uh, Alex, winner or loser for you? Uh, winner, I'm going to go Cardinals. Um, loser, I'm going to go everyone else in uh, NFC West. Um, I just thought they were, we did touch on it earlier, so I'll keep it quick, but I just thought they were super impressive. Um, I know exactly, I've spoken about them twice in a row now, so I feel like I'm going to have to get off the Cardinals soon. But uh, yeah, they keep impressing me. Um, what they were meant to be doing on paper, they managed to do on the field. Uh, Isaiah Simmons did struggle at times, but his physical gifts means he'll, he'll catch up pretty quickly. Like we were just speaking about, these rookies did need a couple of games to get themselves settled. So yeah, I think I'm going Cardinals for the, for the winner, for sure. No, fair dues, mate. I'm going to lower the tone then. I've, I've waited 55 minutes, boys. I'm going to have my moan. I'm going for a loser of the week. I'm going actually for the loser of the last 17, 18 weeks of regular season action. And that loser is Odell Beckham Jr. What an absolute diva. Just waves his arms akimbo when he's not getting the ball. The Browns have to change the game plan to try and stop him from crying. That goes away from what the Browns do well. Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb managed 132 yards rushing against the Ravens on just 20 carries yesterday. Yet, you know, we continue to try and force feed the ball to a wide receiver that since he's been in Cleveland has essentially been nothing but trouble. Um, I think the Browns need to trade him. You'll read more about that in the full 10 takeaways if they can find a trading partner. But I don't think the OBJ and Landry... Um, reunion has worked well for Cleveland. I don't think it's working well for OBJ. Um, and ultimately, I think it'd be best for all parties if he was out the door. <sighs> all that off-season hype, fellas. And I'm already back to my usual self in week one. It's great, isn't it? I'm already down on the Browns. It's took me, what, one week mm. this year. I've done well. Even even the punter fun, fumbled. Oh, even the Scottish hammer. Even the Scottish hammer let us down. Mind you... Oh. To be fair to the Scottish Amber, even when he does his job and pins the Ravens at the one-yard line, they're still going a 99-yard drive the, you know, the following series anyway. So we can't win, can he, to be fair? So, never mind. Right, boys, let's get into a bit of overtime then. We've still got a couple of games left on the slate, so I just want one word from you in terms of Monday Night Football. Let's start. We've got two games, so I'll give you two words. Who wins the games tonight? 
Tim, let's come to you first. We've obviously got Giants and Steelers, Broncos, Titans. Who have you got as winners? Uh, Steelers, Broncos. Lawrence? Giants, Titans. And Alex? I'm going Steelers, Titans. A bit of a mixed bag there. I think I've gone Steelers and Broncos, I want to say. I can't remember exactly. I think I won Steelers Broncos in our full 10 pick'em competition. Congrats at the moment to Tom Whiteley, 83, and David, 2. You guys are currently the clubhouse leaders with 11 selections correct so far. And the average is only eight, so fair play, fellas. 11 correct. I think I've only got seven boys, but we'll gloss over that. Tough week. Tough week. Tough week. Week one is always a tough week. Right then, boys, we've said there's still a few games left in week number one, and obviously we've got those two Monday nighters coming your way this evening. But just before we close, one thing you want to see in week two, Lawrence? I am looking forward to seeing the human cockroach. Yes. Who's going to be starting running back for the New York Jets in week two? It's going to be Frank Gore. <laughs> it's going to be Frank Gore. The man, you can't kill Frank Gore. He just does not go down. He's, he's, like, he's like the Terminator. You cannot put Frank Gore down. He led the Jets in rushing week one, 24 yards. Human cockroach. Le- 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 Le'Veon Bell. Um, Adam Gase has kind of publicly said he regrets the fact that he, he put Le'Veon Bell back in the game, even though he's got a, you know, he's got a hamstring injury. He's going to miss a couple of weeks. Who had, you know, training camp massively complimentary words were said about Frank Gore. He's back. He's back, baby. It's Frank Gore. The, the love fest for Frank Gore never ends. You can't be. Doesn't matter what team. Doesn't matter what team. It'll be 2025 and he'll still be running. It's you great. You can't keep a good man down, mate. He's obviously going to keep moving up that rushing ladder as well. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We'll keep our eyes peeled on the landmarks as he gets near him. Uh, Tim, what are you looking forward to, mate? Week number two. Um, really looking forward to seeing um, Sunday Night Football. Actually, uh, Patriots and Seahawks. I'm really fascinated to see Jamal Adams had a had a monster game uh, in Atlanta. He features in the, one of my takeaways. Um, yeah, really fascinated to see what they do with with obviously Cam now of, uh, at quarterback, and if maybe do like a bit of quarterback spy. But Jamal Adams, I think, will be chomping at the bit to to get his teeth into um, into Cam Newton. So really looking forward to that that cat and mouse. Excellent. And Alex, for yourself? Uh, looking forward is a bit brave, but looking ahead, uh, I'm trying to work out who, what Dallas is going to do to try and stop Julio Jones. Um, they've got no big safety, like, I don't know, maybe Jamal Adams to try and take him away. Um, that would have been useful. Um, and now, no, Leighton Van Der Esch, Ivan Smith struggled at times in coverage yesterday as well. So it could be interesting trying to see what they're going to do to stop Julio Jones when he comes across the middle. Yeah, no, Julio Jones, obviously one of the subjects of one of our sandwich bets, fellas. So just an update on that. Nick Chubb managed 11 yards on his first carry, and I was almost going to cash in my sandwich straight away. He ended up with 60 on the ground yesterday, so that's not looking too good for me. But Julio Jones does lead the way from a receiving perspective, so I'm in the lead on that one. He outgained Devontae Adams by one yard. So it's not exactly the most comfortable of leads, but I am in the lead on that one. We'll obviously keep those bets updated. As how's, how's, how's Kenny Golladay doing? Yeah, he's doing really well, mate. Really, really well, Kenny Golladay. <laughs> <laughs> Loftus is getting his subway card out already. 
Right then, boys, obviously plenty of things going on. Full 10 yards, the college boys back as well this week. The fancy guys are recording as we speak. It's all systems go as the new season is off and running. From an NFL perspective, that will keep you up to date with what we will be doing. We've alluded to it a few times. Your Tuesday takeaway will come out for Tuesday tea time tomorrow. Uh, obviously some written format of all things that happened in week number one. So looking forward to that coming out. Uh, Sean has done a good piece for us, having a bit of a deep dive into a number of players. We, you know, something new that we're going to do this year, going a little bit beyond just the the actual results. Uh, so Sean's done a good piece that will be dropping for you on Wednesday. My preview article for the majority of the slate will be out on Thursday, as usual, with an update on the Pickham League. So can anybody catch Tom and David at the top of our competition? Bear in mind as well, there's a weekly prize on offer if anybody can get a complete slate correct. So never too late to join. If you aren't already, get involved and get your friends involved as well. We've already committed to giving away a team T-shirt. If we get over 100, we've said we'll give away a jersey. So certainly worthwhile getting involved in that if you haven't done so yet already. And then, of course, we'll be near enough then ready for another weekend of action and you'll get your TV game preview coming out on Friday. Uh, so lots of stuff going on from us here at the NFL side of the full 10 yards. It's great the football is back. And fingers crossed you've all enjoyed it this weekend. Win, lose or draw. I did say at the end of last week's pod I was looking forward to whatever happened. I was questioning that after about an hour on Sunday. <laughs> wait, wait till you get Friday morning. <laughs> yeah, so now I've got the uh, Thursday night football slate to look forward to. Haven't I? So yeah, Friday morning about three o'clock. Just uh, leave me alone, fellas, if we're behind again. I will probably be quite grumpy. Right, let's get out of here, boys. The referees are certainly running in. It's time for us to clear off. So let's say our goodbyes. Lawrence, pleasure as always, mate. It's been fantastic. And I might be persuaded to stay up till about half one this morning for one reason and one reason only. Saquon Barkley's glutes. Something to look forward to, mate. Whatever floats your boat, I suppose. Fair dues, mate. Fair dues indeed. Tim, pleasure, mate. Yep. All the best. Speak to you soon. Cheers, Paul. And Alex, thanks once again, mate, for joining our regular three-man huddle. Great to have you on, buddy. Yeah, cheers. Love being on, as always. Absolute pleasure, mate. Right then, fellas, as usual, let's end with the great words of Kevin Cable until week number two and say bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full 10 Yards or email the show full10yards at gmail.com.